Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters And welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, joined today by my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Wait, what's going on? Where's Kessler? Why is Bateman both Kessler and Bateman? And the deal is, guys, today is a solo episode. Kessler is out of town. He's foraging in the wilderness for things. He's, he's doing things that aren't here recording this show. And we felt that it was a strong opportunity to share one of our Patreon Brew episodes. Uh, we take exclusive submissions from you guys, and we then share your submissions on the show, and we do like little sort of like deck tech things with our ideas, you know, what we'd add to them. So um, that is today's episode. Next week, you can expect our Kaladesh set review. We're both very excited. Kessler just uh, played in the Grand Prix, so he's got all kinds of things uh, to, to share with you. I'm sorry, he, he is playing in the Grand Prix this weekend. He'll have all kinds of things to share with you from that. So our, all our insights into Kaladesh, we have all kinds of fun things we want to share with you. But today, I'm going to be doing this episode, uh, ending with finally my personal brew that I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks with Sahili Ray, the new uh, red-blue planeswalker from Kaladesh, which I just think is awesome, and I have a very cool modern deck that I want to talk about. So um, in the meantime, guys, I'm going to do three brews submitted by fans. I'm going to tech them, and I'm out, then I'm going to share mine. And uh, I'm going to start you guys out by reminding you that, uh, of course, course the podcast the masters of modern we are on twitter so you should follow us at the mmcast of course also i am personally on twitter at ben bateman media and instagram and kessler my co-host who is not here is at kess wiley um, you can find him on Twitter and the MMCast also. We're on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel where we put up all the episodes now. We share them uh, with like usually like a video component that shows the cards we're talking about, things like that. So that's really cool. And uh, and last but not least, of course, guys, uh, these Patreon decks, have, they come from our Patreon, which is uh, funds that have, that have been donated to us by you to help us keep the show going. Things like buying new microphones, paying a video editor, these are things that come out of the Patreon. So um, go to patreon.com slash the MMCast if you guys want to donate and help us stay in business. Um, it is very cool if you do that. So um, yeah, I, I think without further ado, we uh, are, are sold out. I've mentioned this several times, but I think we are now sold out officially of the DMTW collaboration playmat. We've been working with DMTW Clothing, an awesome lifestyle brand. These guys make great stuff. If you go to DMTWClothing.com, you can see their stuff. But we had a playmat that was for sale on there. It was our first product with them. And uh, unless I'm mistaken, it's now sold out. But you can check it out because I'm sure it's still pictured on there. And uh, we probably will be making more at some point. So um, anyway, guys, without further ado, let's get into the episode. So uh, first and foremost... I'm going to take a submission from Adam Hartman. So Adam Hartman wrote, here's the very first modern deck I tried to brew a few years ago. I was in love with Nykthos, still am, got the inspiration to use Impromptu Raid from a Pukatrade.com article. The basis of the deck is to try to get very early devotion to green, then use Ramp, Nykthos, and Impromptu Raid to have massive single turns of creature damage. Uh, A massive single turn of creature damage. So... For those of you that don't remember what Massive Raid is, it was one of those hybrid enchantments from uh, uh, Shadowmoor, I think it was, and it cost four. Um, it's it's a hybrid green-red and three, and it states, I'm going to read it right now, Post-Mortem Lunge. Uh, that's not the wrong card. That's not what that card was. Post-Mortem Lunge is the wrong card. Imprompto Raid. Um, I hope I didn't just say postmortem lunge for both of them because that's not what we're talking about at all. Um, Impromptu Raid is a hybrid red, green, and three for an enchantment with an ability of 
two and hybrid red green reveal the top card of your library if it isn't a creature card put it into your graveyard otherwise put that card into play that creature has haste sacrifice it at end of turn so this deck is ba like basically built kind of like an elves deck um i'll explain what's going on here we have impromptu raid as a four of the deck runs six ley lines, green ley lines, which are uh, four drop green enchantments with two green and two colorless as their cost, that if they're in your opening hand, they begin the game in play. So this helps, obviously, when you get Nykthos in play, having double green uh, devotion to start the game is very good. Um, so you play four ley line of vitality, vitality and two ley line of life force. Um, then it's got a kind of like an elves base here of uh, four elvish mystic, four Lanor elves. Uh, you have four voyaging satyr, which is to untap Nykthos. You have two Elvish Visionary, four Burning Tree Emissary, two Karametra's Acolyte, two Garrick Wild Caller of the Beasts, two Garrick Wildspeaker, and then a suite of one of kind of powerful creatures. So a Kalni Hydra, Nylea God of the Hunt, one Crater Hoof Behemoth, an Emrakul, the classic OG Emrakul, and a Hornet Queen, plus a single copy of Bow of Nylea, and then four Nykthos and 17 Forests. So it's a 21 land modern deck. And then a big sideboard, it looks like, of one-ofs. So, my first thought on this deck is that in Modern, if you're going to do something creative, the first question you have to ask yourself is, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to try to be clever and creative and, and groundbreaking, is this better or worse than something that is being done differently already? And this is a pretty similar idea in terms of just like big mana take over the game in one or two turns as Elves. It even runs like some of the elves cards. Um, this is obviously going to be less expensive than an elves deck because you don't have to deal with like super expensive uh, heritage druids and things like that. But um, overall, it's not too different. Um, you know, I would say the ley lines are kind of aggressive because they're very dead draws. The card impromptu raid, I'm not entirely sure, has a home in modern, but maybe. I mean, it, the coolest thing about this deck to me is. It's kind of like one of those things in modern, like if, if you can just get past the, the, the sort of like wall of disruption that's going to start the game out and actually get this thing working, it can go totally bananas. Because I'm looking at this and thinking to myself, okay, you know, you get your devotion off of each of the, the mana dorks, plus the ability to tap them for a mana during that same turn. Any mana creature that you flip off of Impromptu Raid then has haste and can tap for additional mana. Um, your Voyaging Seder, if you flip it off of Impromptu Raid, can then untap Nykthos instant speed because it has haste to reset the turn and continue going. Uh, your Garrick Collar of the Beasts, for those of you who don't remember like which one Garrick Collar of the Beasts is, he he's the big fat one that uh, allows you to reveal cards from the top of your library and get creatures into your hand. Um, I'll read his text exactly. He's the M14 one. So he's green, green, four for a four devotion. Plus one, reveal the top five cards of your library, but all creature cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Or minus three, you may put a green creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. And then he has a minus seven. You get an emblem that whenever you cast a creature spell, you may search your library for a creature card and put it on the battlefield. So obviously, if you can get his ultimate off, you're in business, but it takes a few turns. I don't think this deck ever really intends to get the Caller of the Beast's ultimate. But I can see this deck doing some pretty awesome stuff. Um, so my first thought is, like, how goofy do we want to get, right? I look at this and I see, okay, Bow of Nylea is a one-of. Feels a little loose. Um, it's just a one-of, so like it has, the, it has the whole devotion thing and it gives you some utility, but ultimately it's probably not a necessary card. Um, 
I'm looking at the ley lines, and the ley line that gives your creatures plus zero, plus one is very strong. But ley line of life force, uh, or whichever the other one is, one of them gives all of your creatures plus zero, plus one, and you gain a life every time a, a creature comes into play. And then the other one states that your creatures can't be countered. Um, I believe life force. Yeah, life force is the one where your creatures can't be countered. So that's the one there's a two of in here. Vitality is pretty sweet because, like, you get a lot of creatures in play, so you gain the life, and it gives your guys an extra toughness on the butt. Um, so you just have, like, a better way to, to block and things like that if things get out of hand. My first thought would be, okay, um, what are some cards that aren't being played here that are pretty cool that you can do fun things with? So right off the bat, I see you're playing eight mana creatures and four Burning Tree Emissary. So I see the opportunity for at least a single copy of Mirror Superior in this deck. I know I talk about that card a lot, but it's a 5-6 on turn two that if you play a Burning Tree Emissary on turn two, you just get your Mirror Superior, so it's totally fine in your opening hand a lot of the time. It's going to be a turn three, five, six in a lot of cases because you're going to have two mana creatures. Um, if you're going to do that, there's a card called Magus of the Vineyard that I think is interesting and I don't think sees any modern play, but I could actually see being kind of like kind of interesting in this deck. Um, what it is is a one green, one one from Future Sight. Um, some of you probably have never heard of this card because it's really weird and I think would be characterized as terrible in a lot of cases, but I think is interesting. It's a human wizard for one green that's a 1-1. One, one. At the beginning of each player's pre-combat main phase, add green green to that player's mana pool. So what's interesting about this card is, let's say you're on the play, you play it. and they Now, now all of a sudden they're going to play a land and they're going to add green green to their mana pool. So they're going to get three mana on turn one. Now some decks will punish you for that. You know, uh, in some cases, let's say a Jun deck or an Abzan deck will maybe have a filter land and be able to turn that green green into a turn one Liliana. You know, that's pretty interesting. Um, you know, it's a turn one Tarmogoyf and a Thoughtseize for a, for a Jun deck. Like, that also seems, you know, very good. Um, on the other hand, there's a lot of fringe decks in Modern that giving them green green will maybe accelerate their game plan, but won't be crushing. It's not going to destroy you. Um, oftentimes affinity decks, for instance, they're going to cast their whole entire hand by turn two anyway. So giving them three man on turn one is like, fine, you're a turn faster, but you're also going to then untap and be able to have four mana on turn two. Um, decks like storm. There's a lot of decks that can't use the green green. Like they have very, very specific costs. A lot of Grixis cards don't use any, they, they have very little colorless mana. They won't be able to use the green green. So it's kind of an interesting turn one thing, and I was thinking, depending on how sort of like deep you wanted to go on the Superion plan, because I think Superion's pretty good in this deck. Like, if you're going to go with, I mean, it does. It obviously doesn't have, um, it doesn't have the the devotion you want, but I think it's definitely an interesting card if you wanted to try to shave things to make room for. Um, you know, the cards in here that jump out at me as being like kind of wonky are. Okay, let's see. The one bow of Anilia is probably unnecessary. Uh, maybe the second Garrick Collar of the Beast is a little unnecessary. The Elvish Visionaries are fine, but like, you don't have an engine to loop them, so they're just kind of something you can do to draw cards early. The two Layout of Life Force are a little loose. Depending on how deep you wanted to go on Impromptu Raid, I could see going down to three of those maybe. Um, I would probably just try to make this deck a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more... Little bit more, more 
like have a little bit more of a game, which is why I kind of like the idea of having that Superion. Eldritch Evolution is an interesting card in here too. If you want, let's say you wanted to run one Superion, um, Eldritch Evolution is an interesting one because it allows you to turn one Elvish Mystic, turn tr- turn two Eldritch Evolution into Superion. So it's an- another way to turn. Uh, it's another way to turn a get a turn two five six, which is obviously strong. Um, I don't know if the composition of this list currently you would be wanting to like run a lot of evolution evolutions, but I could see if you had like more four drops in here that you wanted to play, maybe instead of running wild speakers and Caller of the beasts, you wanted to play like some power four drops that might make your Eldritch evolutions on turn two, like pretty sick. Um, I don't know. Those are just thoughts, but those are the things that come to mind with this deck. I think ultimately if you wanted to be competitive and modern, you would probably play elves instead of this, but I could be wrong. I mean, this is definitely harder to foil than a basic elf strategy if it gets going um it's just got a lot of sort of odd choices on the other hand i think it's awesome and i can imagine just like playing against impromptu raid and being just like so happy to lose to that because it just seems like awesome so that's my first deck that i'm teching um thank you mr adam hartman i appreciate you uh submitting your stuff here that's really cool we always like to get these so i'm going to move on to deck number two um and that is going to be a goblins deck that was submitted by Mr. Let's see. Uh, Jacob Goodman gave this, gave this one to us. Um, sad that the gremlin subtype is not helpful for brewing goblins. He suggested that perhaps blossoming defense would be one of the cards from the new set that would make this better. Um, so I'll kind of tell you guys what's going on here. Um, this is a modern goblins brew. He's called it mama Tarka's goblin pile. Um, all right, here we go. You got uh, four Foundry Street Denizen. You got two Gore Clan Rampager. That's the uh, one one green, one red, two colorless for a four four trample, and then it has Blood Rush, where for a green and a red you can discard it um, to give target attacking creature plus four plus four and trample with end of turn. This card was like a total powerhouse in limited. It became a favorite in standard, and there was a period of time in modern where there was this like all in gruel deck. Uh, and this card was played as a four of in that deck. I think it's a pretty underrated card in terms of its power level. Like two mana for plus four plus four trample is is good, and the fact that it's also a the fact that it's also a four mana four four trample if you just draw it later is totally solid. So that card's good. I don't I don't know if how like good I think it actually is in a goblin deck, but we'll see. Um, you got four goblin bushwhacker, four goblin guide, three goblin pile driver in the main deck. Two legion, uh, four legion loyalists in the main deck, four mog fanatic, four mog war marshal, and then you have uh, nineteen lands, twelve of which are fetch lands, and uh, four Atarka's command, four lightning bolt, and of course four goblin grenade. So, aggro decks in modern that are like these, this this composition of colors are, you have a Tarka burn decks that. Um, Sorry, not Atarka Burn. You have, well, I guess Atarka Burn because of Atarka's Command, but they're often Naya Burn uh, as like one of the popular ones that you see where they play Helix and they have a couple copies of Path uh, and then they also have Atarka's Command in the deck. That's fairly common. Um, you also have, th- there are just like the Naya Zoo decks that are very popular with um, Tarmogoyfs and um, Wild Nacatls and things like that. A lot of the same cards. And then the other three color burn decks are the uh, the black 
red green uh, burn decks that play like i think it's they play bump in the night um so that's uh or do they play they play green or do they play white Either way, there's a version that plays black. I think there's actually four, maybe, because I've seen some of the four-color ones. But the, the, they play Bump in the Night for a reason, to have late-game reach. Um, however, Goblin decks like this that are aggressive, this is, like, it's different than Mono Red, just like your straight burn decks. Tries to take advantage of, obviously, Goblin synergies. My So my first question here is, Atarka's Command is really, really, really good. And it's especially good. It's final. It's final mode. I mean, I think everybody knows what this card does, but it's green, red for an instant. Choose two. Your opponents can't gain life this turn. Artarka's command deals three damage to each opponent. You may put a land card from your hand on the battlefield, and creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain reach until end of turn. So, um, the creatures get plus one, plus one, and gain reach is usually paired with three damage. That's like a pretty pretty all-in uh normal aggro thing in modern it's like a card that is just built for aggro decks um but getting four of these and and making a goblin deck green i'm not really sure is necessary because gore clan rampager is super sweet but like there's a lot of things you could be doing keeping your deck mono red that i think are pretty good um first thing i would say is i think you want the full four pile drivers in the main deck i don't know why you would really want to play three of them it's one of definitely the stronger stronger goblins um if you were going to cut the green i could see a scenario where you wanted to main deck blood moon i think that's pretty i think that's pretty clever i've seen like i mean it depends on what the season we're looking at is but there's definitely a lot of there's definitely a lot of situations in modern where if you get like blood moon early like let's like like a lot of this deck is one drops right you're playing four foundry street denizen uh four bushwhacker four guide four uh, four legion loyalist four mog fanatic and f yeah so that's a lot of one drop so what's going to happen is a lot of your turns are going to be one drop turn one one drop one drop turn two and then you're going to have like maybe maybe cards enough to play more than one spell on turn three but a lot of the time you won't so let's just pretend you had three blood moons in your main deck I could totally see a situation where it's like turn one guide, turn two Legion loyalist and Foundry Street Denizen or something, or maybe it's a different order. And then like your opponent's like, all right, cool, I'll play my you know I'll play my two drop, and then you're like, all right, untap, Blood Moon you, and they just like look at their hand, and they're like, oh my, oh my goodness, my whole strategy to survive this is now gone. I can't play any of these cards, um, and the turns it takes them then to stumble and try to figure out a way to get rid of it is enough time for you to win. So. I can see that being pretty interesting. I noticed that in your sideboard, you don't actually have Blood Moon, um, which probably needs to change whether or not it goes into the main. You can definitely construct a mana base with this deck with how little green you need to just turn all of your fetches into into mountains. Um, like, I don't think it really matters. Uh, so that's, that's a very real thing. Um, other cards that I think are interesting, if you're going to go the green route and you want your green to give you some reach with the Gorklan Rampager... Something interesting that I think could be thought about, and this is not necessarily like the gospel, but I think it's like a pretty interesting idea, is that people aren't really playing Hooting Mandrels in Modern. Um, you know, this is a 19 land deck that plays 12 fetch lands, 4 lightning bolts, 4 goblin grenades, and 4, four goblin war marshals and mog fanatics. So, and those are just the cards that you're going to get into your own graveyard. Um, let alone the fact that if you're an aggro strategy, your guys will be removed. Like, 
you know, any guy bolts your guy, like guy blocks your guy, like you're an aggro deck, you're kind of all in. So I could also see a situation where it's like one drop, one drop, one drop, and then it's like turn three, two drop, you know, play your pile driver on turn three or something, or maybe another war marshal, and also exile your graveyard and cast like a one mana hooting mandrels. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I would recommend hooting mandrels on a lot of decks, but this deck looks like it's going to be fairly all in fairly early. And if you're going to play rampager anyway, part of me kind of thinks like getting the, the versatility of rampager as a, as a combat trick is great. But I also, if I can just get rampager as a one mana four, four with trample, that seems, seems sweet. Um, maybe that's wrong. I don't know, but that, uh, those would be the first kind of the first thoughts that come to mind for me drinking some water there guys thanks for going through that with me um yeah i mean aside from that i think this is this looks like it's pretty much doing the right thing for goblin decks you know they continue to print goblins there's a lot of goblins that like don't see a lot of modern play that i'm always i'm always kind of curious um i'm always kind of curious that like you know will we see x will we see y show up in modern i mean for instance like rabble master is a really powerful card um that hasn't really shown up in modern with any kind of consistency yet i've seen people try it but you know it was a total standard powerhouse um you know i mean it's a two two for three that you get a one one with haste that's a goblin and the next turn like it attacks and gets plus one plus oh for each other attacking goblin i mean this thing has to be killed immediately otherwise like it's just like a power three drop i mean it does get lightning bolted obviously but I mean, Rabble Master's pretty good, and then you have like, who's the double strike mythic from uh, from Lorwyn? Um, not Lorwyn from uh, Zendikar. Uh, he's called Goblin Goblin in- War and Instigator. I think is that's the name. War and Instigator. That sounds right. Yeah, here he is. Red, red for a one-one double strike. Whenever War and Instigator deals damage to an opponent, you may put a Goblin creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. Like. This deck plays a lot of cheap goblins and is probably bad, but it's another one of those things where, like, goblin decks haven't been that explored in modern yet. They just, like, people haven't really messed around with them that much. They they show up occasionally as kind of fringe uh, contenders, but if you were going to play a strategy that was, like, a little bit less just, like, all-in swarm on those, you know, on those twos or maybe a few less one-drops, you could play, like, a couple war instigators and you could play some uh, some rabble masters or things like that and... You could even play like a single copy of um, what's it called? Uh, Siege Gang Commander, maybe. Like I can imagine that guy hitting and getting like a Siege Gang Commander and a, and like a, a Rabble Master on the table and just like staring down your opponent with just like death eyes. Um, I don't know. Those are probably bad ideas for a Goblin deck. I, I think this is a little closer to what a normal Goblin deck wants to do, which is you know all in attack and swarm. But uh, yeah, I guess my, my my first recommendation on this is probably that. Blood Moon needs to be in the sideboard. Could be in the main deck if you wanted to lose green. And if you're going to play green, there's definitely some other things that are that are clever to think about. Though Atarka's Command is pretty nuts. So, um, Moving on to the next deck submission. Uh, thank you so much for the submission. I really, really appreciate that, Jacob. That was very fun. I don't get to talk about goblins and modern a whole lot. So um, here we go to Dave on Carlo's deck. So... Uh, Dave says, I've messed up posting this to the right spot every time I've tried to get a deck tech on it. Here's my bubble hole combo deck. Um, claims it can go off on turn three pretty consistently and turn one. So this is a real deck. 
um, in the sense that this has been a fringe, like a tier two deck for a while. Um, for those of you that don't know how it works, I will explain it. It's basically um, a situation where Protean Hulk, the card Protean Hulk reads, um, and I think Protean Hulk costs like seven maybe? Um, let's see here, Protean Hulk. It costs green, green, five for a six, six beast. When Protean Hulk is put into a graveyard from play, search your library for any number of creature cards with total converted mana costs six or less and put them into play. Then shuffle your library. So the whole entire deck is built around the interaction between Protean Hulk, the card Body Double, which is one blue and four colorless for a zero, zero shapeshifter. As Body Double comes into play, you may choose a creature card in a graveyard if you do Body Double comes into play as a copy of that card. And uh, there's an interaction with Revelark, which is one white, four colorless for an elemental flying 4-3 creature that can be evoked for uh, white and five. And the reason that the evoke cost is higher than the regular is because Revelark reads, when Revelark leaves the battlefield, return up to two target creature cards with power two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So, as you are probably imagining, the goal is to get Protean Hulk into a graveyard to reanimate a body double or cast a body double hard cast to be a copy of Protean Hulk um, and then, or just cast a Protean Hulk and then you have to have it die. So, that's why you play two copies of Viscera Seer in the deck. There's a copy of Mog Fanatic, three Jace Friends Prodigy. Then your spells are three Pact of Negation, a Lightning Axe, four Faithless Looting, four Serum Visions, two Is It Charm, two Tygam Scheming, four Footsteps of the Goryeo, and three Makeshift Mannequin. Um, 19 lands. So what happens here, guys, is that once you have a Protean Hulk die, you have you go through your deck and you search for copies of Creature um, Fusion convert a mana cost six or less and put them into play so you have body double enter the battlefield uh and also revel arc enter the battlefield and also viscera seer enter the battlefield and uh what that allows you to do is then sacrifice your like sacrifice your oh yeah yeah yeah. and then body double comes in as a copy of protean hulk so then you sacrifice body double there's a whole complicated minutia of things where you like repeatedly return your copy of mog fanatic and kill them a billion times with it it's the way like the body double thing works uh, i'm like kind of tired right now so i'm looking at this and trying to piece it all together but i've died by this plenty of times in both modern and in highlander and that is the reason you have a single copy of mog fanatic is because you're recurring the combo over and over again body double having zero power uh, means that it can be searched up as a zero cost part of the resolution. The Protean Hulk sacrifice and then Revel Arc dying can obviously bring things back. So that's the way this all works. So you can sort of see that the rest of the deck is set up to take advantage of getting things out of your hand because um, this version of the deck plays four Footsteps of the Goryeo um, and three Makeshift Mannequin. So Footsteps of the Goryeo, because instead of a lot of resurrection effects, Footsteps of the Goryeo reads one black, two colorless, Sorcery, return target creature card from your graveyard to play, sacrifice that creature at end of turn. A lot of resurrection effects in Magic state that when the creature dies, it exiles. Um, this is great because you can footsteps of the Goryeo or Protean Hulk. Protean Hulk comes in at end of turn. If it doesn't get pathed, um, the combo goes goes off. So um, Makeshift Manic- Manicon obviously has multiple sort of interactions with the deck because it's not... It's not um, just uh, it's not like just like your standard sorcery speed thing you can instant speed reanimate protean hulk block with it or something like that i mean 
there's like a lot of pretty cool stuff you can do with it. Some of the cards in here that are a little different than I'm used to seeing. Tigam Scheming. I, I understand why. Um, one blue, one colorless. Look at the top five cards of your library. Put any number of them into your graveyard and the rest on the top of your library in any order. Uh, I can see it as a two drop. You know, it stacks your deck and puts the right things into your graveyard. Uh, it is card disadvantage, which is a little annoying, but so there's a lot of the things in this deck. Uh, the Is It Charm looting effect, the Faithless looting, is, looting effect, those are all card disadvantage. So, um, And then Pact of Negation to protect you. So, yeah, this is, I mean, like I said, this is a harder one to go in and like immediately deck tech because this is a strategy that works, that I've seen work. Um, few things, let's see. Perhaps rather than Is It Charm or Tigam Scheming, I would play the new card from Kaladesh. Um, what's it? Something Reunion. It's called, um, I'm going to tell you guys right now, it's the it's the new card that everybody wants to play in Dredge. Um, it's called Cathartic Reunion. It's one red, one colorless. As an additional cost to cast Cathartic Reunion, discard two cards, draw three cards. Um, it's very good in Dredge. It's very good in this. It allows you to early, like <laughs> for two mana, discard things you want to get out of your hand and draw three cards. It seems totally fine to me seems very powerful um this deck doesn't play a whole lot of interaction plays a single lightning axe as a removal spell slash um slash discard outlet which is fine is it charm is like a loose removal spell you know it's burn on turn two for a creature it's a shock um but it also doubles as a card draw thing um you know, I would probably replace the Tigam Schemings with Cathartic Reunions. I would probably go down to one less copy of Makeshift Mannequin because it costing three mana, uh, or costing four rather than three, and also the fact that Makeshift Mannequin can only target creature cards from your graveyard means it's not as versatile as, like, set, I don't know, some other cards where you can get something out of your opponent's graveyard. Um, yeah, I mean, the the three Pact of Negations in the main deck, they're fine, you know, they're they're dead spots if you're not playing against they're dead spots if you're not playing against the right deck, which is a little annoying. Um though this deck is really fast, so I can understand why you'd want like packs instead of spell or something like that. Um so yeah, I mean it plays three Jace Friends prodigies, like you probably could just play four Jace Friends prodigies. I, I don't know I don't really know what the point of playing three of that card is it's like very 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 good and so much of this deck just wants to be digging that i kind of think you know go up to a fourth rinse prodigy and and cut the tie game schemings go down to two makeshift mannequins put in cathartic reunions um maybe it's tough on on lightning axe like I guess Lightning Bolt's not just, like, better in every deck, but it's also hard to look at any deck list and not just be like, Lightning Bolt should just be in this deck. I don't know. Um, you know, Spirit Guide, understandably. You want to go off fast. Totally get that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that pretty much that pretty much does it on that deck. I th This deck... This deck, I kind of wonder if... Because it's, because it's all in on the strategy, that it's it's fairly easy to interact with after game one. Um, any kind of like graveyard removal effect early, you know, this deck doesn't do well with, um, obviously you can, you can bring things in, but like this, this foiling this, like this doesn't exactly have a different game plan. Something that could be really interesting because you already run the pack of negations in the main deck. 
if you have a single slaughter pack in the sideboard is you could sideboard into hi- the hive mind combo um you have a lot of you have like a lot of like deck manipulation and card draw um that i kind of wonder if there would be a version of this deck that could just play the hive mind combo uh, that used to be so popular in the amulet decks hive mind being blue blue and four for an enchantment that states whenever you cast a spell whenever a, a player casts a spell the, the the player's opponent copies that spell so what it means is you can play hive mind and then immediately attempt to cast like slaughter pact on their creature and then like counter your own slaughter pact with a pact of negation and then they have to pay you know and lose or they lose the game because they they have to pay for the trigger before you ever have to pay for the trigger so that's a thought. Uh, it might be bad. I, I see the sideboard here has like copy of Grave Titan, some Leyline of Sanctities, a Murderous Cut. Um, I just see like a lot of the same kind of all-in type of things here. And if you get rid of, let's see, one, two, if you change the composition of this deck a little bit, you could cut like eight cards and just swap in the Hive Mind combo easily, um, and that could be. That could be your game too in a lot of in a lot of cases. So that's a thought. Um, in any case, that those are my thoughts on that deck. So Dave and Carlo, thank you for submitting it. I wish I had more constructive things to offer you um, in the, in that category, but it's uh, you know that when when decks are tournament ready decks, uh, they're a little harder to they're a little harder to critique. But I think that deck is sweet and I like it and I enjoy playing it. So um, last but not least, guys, I'm going to get on to my own brew here. Um, I mentioned this last week on the podcast, or perhaps it was the week before, uh, talking a little bit about Sahili Ray, um, which, uh, or Rye, whatever we want to call it, because I think it's super, super sick, and I have been brewing, trying to figure out the best version of the deck. So I'll kind of tell you guys what I have going on. Um, my, my brew is not entirely, it's not entirely done. I don't have a version that I like yet, but it's getting there. So the first interaction that I saw was the interaction between Sahili and Tezzeret. And that's because even though Sahili turns things into um, into artifacts, what I saw was that I think Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas, and Sahili both interact exceptionally well with the Wellsprings from um, uh, Mirrodin Besieged, I think. I think one was Mirrodin Besieged, and the other one was, uh, what's it called? New Phyrexia. So you have, uh, they're both two-man artifacts that state when they enter the battlefield, something happens, and when they put into a graveyard from the battlefield, something happens. So Icar Wellspring is you draw a card when it enters, and when it goes to the graveyard, and Mycosynth Wellspring is you search your library for a basic land when it enters, and again, when it hits the graveyard. So my first thought was, okay, Sahili, turn three, after you play a turn two Wellspring, if you have a sack outlet of any kind on turn one, you can then obviously get like it just turns those cards into like pretty sweet two mana draw spells. Um, also, also um, I liked the idea of playing Tide Hollow Sculler in this deck. I think Sculler on turn two to set up your turn two Sahili. And then again, if you have that same turn one sack outlet, it allows you to make a copy of Tide Hollow Sculler, look at their hand, and then sack the Tide Hollow Sculler to your turn one sack outlet so that the exile effect is permanent. So Greater Gargadon is obviously the card that comes to mind. Um, it's a really, really interesting card to have on turn one in a deck like this because it means that once Sahili is on the battlefield, if you ever see the opportunity to go for it, and you can, you can sacrifice your entire board to <laughs> your entire board to put Gargadon into play as a nine-seven haste, 
Um, and then minus two Sahili to make a copy of Gargadon, which also has haste, an attack with two nine seven hastes. You can win completely out of nowhere. Um, so it's one red for a spend ten nine seven beast is what Greater Gargadon is. Its casting cost is red and nine. Um, sacrifice an artifact, creature, or land. Remove a time counter from Greater, greater Gargadon. Act, activate this ability only if Greater, greater Gargadon is suspended. So um, obviously you can't sacrifice enchantments and things like that, but uh, pretty much everything that it, in this deck that I'm thinking about could be sacrificed to it. Um, so then the rest of the deck. So a couple other things. Sun Titan with Sahili is really, really good. Um, if you have a Sahili in your graveyard and you play one and you have a Sun Titan, you can go infinite because Sun Titan enters the battlefield, returns the... Sun Titan enters the battlefield. Um, you then minus Sahili to make a copy of Sun Titan, which then enters the battlefield, returning the Sahili from your graveyard, which then Legend rules out the first one. And then you minus to make another copy, so on and so forth. You go infinite, get infinite Sun Titans, and attack for a billion damage. So you have the ultimate combo win built into the deck. Um, trying to figure out the other things that make this deck work. Um, I don't know anymore if Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas, is actually good. I think I have him in here currently as a one-of because he seems like a perfectly fine thing to curve out to. Just like makes a lot of the artifacts that the deck's going to play good. It turns your Wellsprings into 5-5s five if you need him to. Um, searches for I have four Arcbound Ravager in the list currently um, you know Ravager obviously a little bit awkward casting cost wise but works really really well with the Wellsprings um, allows you to get full value out of them um, it's another sack outlet for you to play a Sculler and sacrifice the Sculler to the Ravager so they don't get the card back um, you know it it's just another way to, to get value out of your artifacts um I, I'm, I've messed around with a lot of other things. Uh, and Soul Artifact is something I thought about because I think that this deck wants to play like a pretty aggressive, like Mishra's Bobble, Mox Opal kind of a deal with a really, really uh, low mana curve. Um, I think you really want to have artifacts in play as early as possible for, you know, for your Ravager and things like that. Um, especially if you're going to have Tezzeret. Like having Tezzeret and being able to play like Mishra's Bobbles in the deck. So you, when you plus Tezzeret, you just search... You can always hit a bobble. You can always play a bobble, and it's always going to turn into a card draw. Um, I don't think Sahili, like, copying a bobble makes a whole lot of sense. But, I mean, again, it's sometimes sometimes that's going to be better than plus oneing and, you know, scrying and dealing a damage. Like, just it's just minus two is her to draw another card. So if you do the Mox Opal kind of Mishra's Bobble version of the deck, then I think in Soul Artifact is totally reasonable. Um, you know, I don't... I don't know. Um, it's... <laughs> It's a little loose, especially because you can't sacrifice the Insol Artifact to the Gargadon, which I don't like. Um, but this is kind of where my idea started to stall out. I think Hangerback Walker is a really interesting two-drop in this deck. Obviously, Walker interacts exceptionally well with Arcbound Ravager. Um, and then the tokens that the, the Walker makes are really, really, really good with Gargadon. So you can, like... I mean, if you have, like, a, if you have like a Hangerback Walker with three counters on it, you sacrifice that and all of the tokens and you're halfway there on a Gargadon almost like that's pretty explosive. Um, so I'm not really sure if that's the correct move. I think, I don't think playing four colors is hard at all. Um, especially because of like Mox Opal and the fact that so many of the things in here are artifacts. You're going to be able to, you know, cast most of the things in your hand off of almost nothing like Mycosynth Wellspring, especially because it allows you to search for basics 
you know, one Microsynth Wellspring in your opening hand and you can fix almost your entire mana base. Like, it, based on whatever's in your hand, it's just it's pretty stupid. So you'd play, like, one of each basic that you needed. Um, lands, you know, I was thinking you'd play an Academy Ruins, probably a single copy of Flagstones of Frocare because you can sacrifice it to the to the uh, Garganon and, you know, search out, a, search out a duel. There was a lot of other things that I thought about in here that I thought were interesting. Early on when I was building it, I was like, okay, if I'm going to play the Tidehall of Scholars on turn two it might be really interesting to play like another disruptive two drop creature. So I was thinking like, okay, what about either um, what's the, thing, the enchantment creature from journey to Nyx? Um, uh, what the heck's it called? Um, brain maggot, brain maggot. I think that's gotta be what it's called. I'm looking that up right now, but uh, yeah, yes. Brain maggot. That's the one. So brain maggots, the same card obviously as, um, Tide Hollow Scholar, but it's not an artifact. The issue with playing Brain Maggot instead of Ravenous Rats, which is, and neither of them have made the list currently, but I've toyed with both, is that I think there's a version of this deck that kind of like just like disrupts, disrupts, disrupts. And playing a turn two disruption creature like that and then following it up with a Sahili was like, okay, so you're kind of just going to grind your opponent out. And I thought that the idea of playing, I thought that the idea of playing Ravenous Rats was kind of clever. Um, I don't really anymore. That's why it's not in the main deck. Mirror Retriever is another card that I think could be good. You know, if you want to like sacrifice playing like a your Sculler and then sacrificing Sculler. So this in your graveyards, then you like play a Mirror Retriever and sack the Retriever to get back the Sculler, play the Sculler. I think there's like some pretty cool stuff there. I considered Kelden Marauders maybe as a two drop because Marauders on two followed by Sahili on three was like also seems pretty good, you know? You Marauders triggers when it enters and when it leaves the battlefield, so a turn two Marauders into a turn three Sahili means that on turn three, you're going to attack for eight, or I guess you'll, you'd attack for six, but you'd get an additional two out of the copy of Marauders, so it seems like pretty aggressive and interesting if you wanted to come up with any kind of recursive thing to bring back your Marauders. Slag Fiend, another card if you're going to go aggressive on sacrificing artifacts. Card is good card is bad in general. <laughs> I don't think Slag Fiend is playable, but it was an idea. Relic of Progenitus, um, if you don't want to go with kind of a recursive thing, it's another artifact that you can play early, make copies of to draw cards, but also has like a very utility effect. So uh, yeah, that's kind of the stuff that I was thinking of with this deck. This is kind of unrefined. So if you guys come up with ideas that you think are cool and uh, you want to submit them and let us know, um, I totally want to hear what you have to say because I think there's something really cool here and maybe the correct thing is just to go for the sun titan play and that's just what the deck should do but i definitely think that there's like something pretty cool that can be done so uh i recommend checking it out and, and letting me know your thoughts letting me know your thoughts um so yeah that pretty much does it guys that is the uh the bruise episode that that does it so thank you for tuning in to the solo me talking at you about bruise i hope this was fun i hope <laughs> you guys don't miss kessler too much um, but if you hated it and, uh, it was not your thing, um, I'm sorry. And please, you know, tweet at us and let us know that because <laughs> we probably won't do a solo episode again if this didn't fly. Um, uh, yeah, that pretty much does it. So check out the Twitter guys at the MMcast. I'm at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. You can share your thoughts, please. If you like any of these brew ideas, if you have questions about anything, tweet those at me at the podcast. Um, you can find Kessler at Kess Wiley and, uh, at the MMcast is I uh, that is the podcast Twitter. Um, 
please check us out on Facebook, YouTube. Um, that's where we are posting these videos. There'll be like a video of this probably that has all the card images or at least some of them um, that Mike Clary, who's our buddy, who's awesome and an editor that we have been be able to hire because of the Patreon. So go to the Patreon, patreon.com uh, slash the MMcast. And that is that. Please check out our sister podcast, um, The Command Zone. They're on rocketjump.com as of now um, and also on YouTube. So uh, Jimmy and Josh do awesome commander content. They are the best. So we'll see you guys with our set review next week. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you had fun. Bye, everybody. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMcast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.